It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Bettest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. All you gots to do is go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting the story of Tom Molino told. This is a guy that uh, should be in our history books. Listen, he is in the history books, but he's shoveled under the carpet. He should be top in the history. This, this is Tom Molino is an important part of boxing history, American history and black American history. So check it out. Find out why. Uh, I, uh, I just I fell in love with this guy when I read uh, uh, the account of uh, his uh, championship fight. And then, I mean, talk about a story. Uh, just just get yourself a copy. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit uh, BillyCBoxing.com and click on the book. Uh, if you're looking to get multiple copies, uh, just go to... Uh, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned uh, before, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com both have uh, plenty of copies available. Um, coming up a little bit later, I got some emails to read. We got some uh, big, uh, somewhat big fights that were announced. Um, some other fighters that uh, uh, won't... Uh, won't say enough is enough. Uh, I, I got a, 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 an assignment for y'all. Got assignment for y'all. Yeah, um, w- what I'm going to do is I was making uh, uh, some statements uh, about a certain trainer uh, that uh, was showcased this weekend and, and was telling you th- that this guy is cursed. Well, let's see if I'm right because uh, he'll be uh, in the corner again this weekend. So uh, uh, we'll uh, talk about that. Um a couple of uh, big uh, heavyweight fights in Europe uh, taking place uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, again, 
the European fighters uh, willing to step in the ring early on in their careers to uh, uh, dictate and control where they go next, uh, something we don't see too often here in the States. Um, but first, I want to talk about some uh, some news uh, that uh, was released, uh, and we will get more of it released uh, towards this end uh, uh, here in the States, most likely today uh, after our show airs. Uh, but uh, it was announced in, uh, or at least discussed uh, in Europe yesterday, uh, specifically England, that uh, Eddie Hearn, uh, who as you know, is one of the top promoters in the world, uh, clearly uh, uh, in England, but in the world. And he's making, he, he has already uh, did uh, promoted some shows here in the States, but he's talking about a big show in the summer. And the talk is that he wants, and providing Anthony Joshua uh, gets by, um, uh, his next fight, which is uh, Joseph Parker, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, and Dillian White, who fights this weekend against Lucas Brown, providing those two guys win, uh, which it's assumed that they will, uh, that they will uh, come and fight here in the States. But here's my here's the problem. According to Eddie Hearn, if Miller wins his fight, he's got a fight coming up, then he wants to put Anthony Joshua against Miller and Dillian White against Deontay Wilder as a co-main event. And then should uh, AJ and Wilder win, then have the showdown that we all want uh, in the late fall. Um, my point right now, and we've been talking about this uh, really uh, last week and, and we actually were talking about it again yesterday there is no other fight for Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder except to fight each other now this is assuming that Anthony Joshua gets by Joseph Parker which you know there's a chance that he loses let's be real this is what we love about the heavyweight division uh, Deontay Wilder already did his part he already did his part by beating Luis Ortiz. I don't want to see uh, Deontay Wilder fight Dillian White. Yeah, it's a tough fight for, for uh, 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 Deontay Wilder. Sure it is. But that's not the fight we want to see. We want to see one fight. One fight in the heavyweight division. Providing AJ gets past Joseph Parker, we want to see AJ against Deontay Wilder. There is no reason, no reason that Deontay Wilder should even be asked to fight Dillian White. If anything, if Miller wins, let Miller fight Dillian White. Let AJ and Deontay Wilder fight, and maybe the the, the winner uh, of the two fights fight Dillian White. I don't know. But the bottom line is, Deontay Wilder does not need to fight Dillian White now. Maybe he you could have made that argument that it was a good fight uh, a couple months ago, but not now. Joining me right now from St. Simons to get his thoughts is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, what's your thoughts? Deontay you Wilder, know my thoughts, De Billy. But De Deontay what. Wilder as a co-main event, please. I'm sorry? I said what, what Eddie Hearn is suggesting is Deontay Wilder as the co-main event. No, it's pathetic. I mean, 
you you said it in a nutshell. I mean, Deontay Wilder did what he had to do on his part to create the interest and stimulate more fans to say, hey, let's get these two heavyweight champs in the ring together. So he did his part. And now it's up to Anthony Joshua to do his part. And uh, there's no other fight in the heavyweight division that I really want to see other than Anthony Joshua face Deontay Wilder for the heavyweight championship unification fight of the world. That's it. That's it. That's what, that's the one I want to see. And I'm sure there's millions of other fans that would share that same opinion. Don't you think? I, I Listen, you know... I, you could have made this. Well, you could have made you could have made this argument um, yeah. prior to the Luis Ortiz fight, and yes. you could have said, you know, okay, AJ is going to come to the states and blah blah blah. If 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 uh, if Deontay Wilder had fought some sacrificial lamb in his last fight, uh, you know, you could make the argument, but he didn't. He fought Luis Ortiz, and not only did he fight Luis Ortiz. But it was an exciting fight. And Deontay Wilder answered a lot of questions in that fight. He, he answered uh, uh, the main question. You know, he, he's, he's got a, a decent chin, at least against Luis Ortiz. And he also answered a heart question. He's got heart. Uh, you know, and, and he never let up. He never lost faith in his corner. He never lost faith, lost faith in himself. And he showed that he was in good condition because if a fighter wasn't in good condition, he would have, wouldn't have survived that seventh round against Luis Ortiz. So with all that said, he's already gotten past his Joseph Parker, if you will. There's no reason. I, I totally understand dragging it out and building it up and all of these things. But this fight is beyond that, Sal. And, and I think Deontay Wilder deserves to fight Anthony Joshua next. And Anthony Joshua at this point, I think that he loses some credibility if he picks someone else, especially someone like Jarrell Baby Miller, who's who's nothing. This is like when everybody criticized Deontay Wilder uh, for fighting uh, Otor Spitzka or, or fighting... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Johan Duopas. I mean, these are the kinds of, uh, of fights. I mean, that's Jarrell Miller. Miller's a, Miller's a, a, a built-up. He's never fought anyone. He's going to have a rough a fight against Duopas himself. No, this fight has to be made now, Sal. I mean, it can't wait anymore. It's ridiculous to suggest that Deontay Wilder fight as a co-main against Dillian White and AJ fight Jarrell Miller, and then should they should they both win... Uh, move on to fight each other. We, we, I, I think that's crazy. Let, let, let me ask you, who who came out with that? Who Who's the one that wants that? Well, Eddie Hearn. Eddie uh, Hearn, okay. Well, he's a promoter. That says a lot about Eddie Hearn, and it says a lot about the Anthony Joshua uh, camp, and I'm sorry, because you know what? This fight doesn't need any more anticipation. This fight doesn't need any more marination. This fight just needs to be solidified and signed, sealed, and let's deliver it. That's it. And you know what? This is the time for truth or dare. You know, Anthony Joshua supposedly called uh, Deontay Wilder out as not to wanting to fight him. And Anthony Joshua also heard from Deontay Wilder's side that Deontay Wilder has been calling out Anthony Joshua. So I think the other, the first camp that doesn't want to fight this fight immediately, they're the chicken. They're the one that's got to be held to, 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 to the highest. And they're the ones that are going to be, uh, be a little looked upon as... Uh, trying to duck the other guy i'm telling you bill that's the way it should be well my point is 
you can you can spin it any way. Eddie Hearn can make it like uh, you know oh, he's yeah. trying to build uh, uh, you know more of a demand for it. He's trying to 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 lay a groundwork marination, if you will, get uh, it. ripping a page out of Bob Arum or or Golden Boy's book. Um, but but I've said this a million times. It's not like that's the only fight in the heavyweight division yeah. ever, and they got to wait. You know, look what happened to, to to Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. They waited and waited, and people Ooh. were clamoring for it and drooling for it. And we had an opportunity when both fighters were were somewhat at their peak, and and Floyd avoided Manny Pacquiao like the plague. And then four years later, after Manny Pacquiao is is a shell of himself, and and no disrespect to Floyd because he wasn't the same fighter either. I mean, it's not like yeah. he was in a time capsule and uh, was. Uh, uh, you know, totally, uh, um, you know, taken care of and preserved. Uh, I mean, and the end result is we still paid premium dollar and got treated to a, 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 a terrible fight, a fight that turned many boxing fans away. I don't want the same thing to happen in the heavyweight division, the glory division, the division that, you know, puts boxing on, on the map. No, Deontay Wilder has earned his shot against AJ next. I'm sorry. And if Anthony Joshua does not fight Deontay Wilder next, I'm telling you, Sal, he's going to lose some credibility. At least he's oh, definitely yeah, going to lose my, it with me. Book. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you hit it on the head. I'm sorry. You just got me riled up so bad because you know what? You are 100% correct, Bill. Uh, he will lose some credibility. He will lose a lot of fans. And I, I'll tell you what. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, chicken? Well, you know, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I hate, to, and I've used it myself, but I hate to say fighters are chicken because it, the, the makeup of a, of a professional fighter, these guys aren't chicken. You know, no, they're no, tough guys. Yeah, they go through a lot. You know, you know more than anybody. You know, it, it becomes a business decision. And, you know, fighters get, the, you know, especially in the last 25, 30 years, they get to hide behind their promoter and say, well, I don't make the decisions. You know, years ago, the yeah, fighter yeah, made the right. decision. You know, now they yeah. hide behind it. Well, you know, I, I fight whoever they put in front of me. That's the, fav that's the favorite line. I fight whoever they put in front of me. You know, so it, 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 you've said it a million times. At the end of the day, it's up to the fighter. If Anthony Joshua, I know myself, I've put him at the top of the heavyweight division. Sure I've put have. him at the top. I've put my neck on a chopping block, and I've said, this is the guy. He's the best heavyweight. Uh, nobody will beat the him. The future of boxing. And, and really, you're right. He's, he's the future of how this sport goes. Why make us wait? It doesn't make any sense. You could do a two-fight deal with, with Deontay Wilder as long as he doesn't get blown out in one round, either fighter, that is, doesn't get yeah. blown out in one round, uh, there's going to be a demand for a rematch. It makes no sense to say, okay, Deontay will give you AJ, but you have to fight Dillian White first. That's not fair to Deontay Wilder. And, and Dillian White, it's not like he's a killer, but he's not an easy fight, too. It doesn't make sense to, to no. fight that fight, not now. Not now. If if Deontay had never fought Luis Ortiz, I might be having a different opinion. But he did fight Luis Ortiz, and he did perform well. No, Sal, there's no reason that uh, that AJ does not fight Deontay Wilder next, especially if they expect Deontay to fight on the undercard. That is a slap in the face for you. Deontay, Deontay Wilder is a main event fighter. Let's be real. 
let's be real, 100%. Like I said earlier, his value, his stock went tremendously up, and, uh, and I'll tell you what. There's no no reason why he can't get at least a 60-40, maybe a 55-45 split with Anthony Joshua. So I'll tell you what. That's the only fight that needs to be made in the heavyweight division after and if Anthony Joshua is, is able to get past Parker this weekend. Well, he, he's fighting next weekend. But next, next but weekend. This, this weekend we got uh, we got, got the Dillian fight. White against Lucas Brown, which yes. uh, let me tell you something. That's not an easy fight for Dillian White. I mean, uh, there's a good chance that he struggles in that fight uh, against uh, uh, Lucas Brown. Lucas Lucas Brown has gotten really good sparring. He, he's just as big as Dillian White. You know, there's some inside stuff. I mean, uh, AJ didn't feel he performed that well. Uh, against Dillian White, so he's open for a rematch. AJ has that fight. AJ has a potential fight with Tyson Fury. You know, so he does have other opportunities for him uh, that don't include someone named Deontay Wilder. But my my outrage here, and it is outrage, Sal, is that Eddie Hearn, who I respect and who I think is is controlling uh, boxing right now, um, I I think it's it's pretty... it's terrible that he would suggest, and and this is giving Deontay Wilder no credit, uh, to suggest that Deontay Wilder, who holds the own the last piece uh, of uh, of the belt situation, this is all providing uh, Anthony Joshua gets past Joseph Parker to fight another fight, another fight before they fight each other. I, it's it's ridiculous. I get it. They all want to make more money. You know, uh, AJ will make another, you know, $10, 15000000 million to fight uh, Jarrell Miller, who he'll take care of in no time. But uh, how about Miller and White and and uh, and Deontay and, and, and AJ? And then the two winners fight each other and the two losers fight each other. You got four, you got four fights right there with those guys, Sal. Well, you do. And, I mean, you, you even have to consider Ortiz to be in that mix. You know, there's no reason why Ortiz and Parker shouldn't fight face each other, assuming that Parker was the loser of the fight against Anthony Joshua. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, as you suggested many times, when one fight happens, there are many ones that spring up from that event. So win, lose, or draw, you know, the heavyweight division looks like it's alive and well right now. And, and that's the division that all eyes are on, no matter what. If you're a fight fan, you know what? You could love the middleweight. You could love the lightweight. You could like the light heavyweight. You could like anything you wanted to like. But the heavyweight division has always been the glamorous division that catches the world's eye and attention. Yeah, especially, especially when you have two decent uh, fighters that that reside in it. Right now, we we have AJ and and you got to give uh, Deontay props. Uh, I had said that I did not think that this fight was going to take place 2018. I thought I might have been wrong. Uh, listening to some of the uh, rhetoric coming out of both camps after uh, Wilder's win over Luis Ortiz, and now uh, Eddie Hearn is is you know mapping this out. Uh, it sounds ridiculous. And if I'm Deontay Wilder, you know all this criticism I gave to Deontay for pounding his chest and doing all of this. Now's the time to pound your chest and say, hey, guess what? Uh, I'm not fighting Dillian White. There's only one fight for me. And like I said, you know, if he changed his approach and and just made it like it's a matter of fact, no, there's only one. I don't care about the WBC. I don't care about nothing. I want to fight AJ and and approach it like I was saying the other day. How could you not support that as a fan? 
You know, I mean, I'm telling you right now, Sal, if Anthony Joshua beats Joseph Parker and he does not fight Deontay next and he tries to to get, or Eddie Hearn tries to get uh, AJ to fight Jarrell Miller, who's who's shouldn't even be in the same discussion, and try to coax Deontay into fighting Dillian White, I, I'm going to support uh, Wilder on that 100%. I like that, Bill. I like that because, you know what, I'm I'm with you, Bill. This is it. These two great heavyweights right now, after we see the fight with Anthony Joshua uh, and, and Parker next uh, next week, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, if Anthony Joshua does come out as the winner, the only fight we're going to promote and we're going to see will be in the heavyweight division would be a Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, unification without the frustration, <laughs> heavyweight championship of the world. And uh, I, I'll tell you, there's no reason that either one of those fighters need to face another opponent other than each other. And Deontay Wilder, as you suggested, should definitely say, hey, I'm ready. I know I want to fight. I'm the best. And he says he's the best. We want to give the fans what they want, the two best fighting. He goes on that platform like you were saying. You know what? The fans can drive the sport to a degree. And uh, there'll be an outcry for both sides to prove who their favorite is that, that can win in a fight between the two. Well, I mean, uh, you know, somebody somebody's saying uh, they're saying, oh, uh, you know, AJ's the A side. Well, so what? So what? What, what, what does that have to? What does that have to do with anything? So what? He's the A side. I, I, I agree. He's the A side. So what? The A side. What, what does that mean? He I gets to. He gets to. Uh, you know, fight a, a, a slug. Make no mistake, Jarrell Miller's a slug. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. You know, I'm 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 appalled at some of the comments that we're we're seeing right now in, in all all the different chat rooms. I mean, uh, you know, we got some people saying, well, Wilder's going to be ringside uh, for the Joseph Parker fight. He's going to come in the ring. And so, yeah, we'll see some WWE moves there. Other people are saying, well, you know, he's the A-side, so he gets to pick when he fights. Come on. That sounds like the whole Mayweather thing. You know, give me a break. You know, you mean the A-side, Sal, like like Canelo? You know, Canelo's the A-side. Made Triple G, wait and wait. Then all of a sudden, Canelo's cheats, gets caught, and everybody's trying to forget about it. Everybody's saying to me, hey, you know what? There's too much money to lose, Bill, so maybe you better stop with the Canelo cheating thing. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? What what do you mean, stop? Why should this guy... You know, everybody is so full of crap, Sal. They talk about how they care about the fighters and the fighters' safety and this and that. Oh, they don't want you to, 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 you know, knock a guy out anymore. They wave off fights and all of this. But they want to let Canelo 
uh, fight uh, even though he cheats because they don't want to lose the money. It's like what I had said to the uh, to the uh, ABC commission once about my idea about you know forcing fighters to to have a head scan when they turn pro so doctors could have a, 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 a an assumed good scan to compare uh, a scan to. And he says, "Oh, Bill, that's a great idea, but what about the cost? It would cost too much. So so don't tell me, don't tell me." That you want safety for the fighters, but maybe not so much if it costs any money. How ridiculous is that, Sal? Well, Bill, you know, I'd say the benchmark started to become a lower mark 20 years ago. And it's continuing its slippery slope downward. And uh, because, you know, we, we, we've we often, you know, if, if you have your hands extended down to lift something or somebody up it's one thing to another level that's the greatness that's what we try to achieve in a capitalistic society but when you let the hands of those you're trying to lift pull you down then there's something wrong with that momentum in that picture and that's what's happened the benchmark has been lowered across the board in so many ways and uh you know i don't think it's ever going to be able to to reestablish itself at another level uh and as you said there have been trade-offs there have been concessions made and it's always uh to to accommodate the masses instead of sticking to what's in best interest of the few no but my no i know my point we have political turnaround here i i i know what you're saying and i i follow you and i feel your pain because it's true why should we have to suffer? And they're talking about an A side and this side. You know, when, when fighting was great, there was never an A side or B side. I mean, there was, but it wasn't spoken about like, well, he's the A side. You just assume. Guess what? The champion, he's going to come in the ring second. The champion, he's going to get his name announced second. The champion's going to have, you know, it, it, it just happens that way. Yeah, well. Now. Yeah, but what's worse is the fans expect. And let me tell you something. If you go and watch old footage they used to bring the champion in first. He was the one announced first. He was the one that walked in the ring first. It wasn't the other way around. They started building drama when, when TV went for pay-per-views and stuff like that. Boxing was more on television in the 50s and early 60s than it ever was. Uh, they had There was so much boxing on TV that they had a separate TV guide just to keep track of all the different fights that were available on a weekly basis, you know, multiple nights during the week. But but my point here is, you know, you got fans that are actually saying, well, it's okay that that they make you wait. It's all part of the thing. It's part of this, part of that. Give me a break. You know, I, I tell you what, if fans, and, and let's be real, if it wasn't for the fans, there'd be no boxing. If it wasn't for the fan, there'd be no NFL football or baseball, or et cetera, et cetera. If they're not reaching into their pockets and paying for a ticket or buying a jersey or, or, or going to a, uh, a, a pro fight, you know, if they're not doing that, well, then the, the powers that be will change the situation so that they do. So the simple thing is, as long as fans keep buying into it and supporting and backing it up, they're going to keep getting fleeced. The fight that everybody wants in a heavyweight division is clearly Deontay Wilder challenging 
Anthony Joshua. There's no more need to marinate it. You don't need to build it up. We could make the argument that AJ's a bigger name than Deontay, which he is. But so what? You know, is Joseph Parker a big name? He's fighting AJ. You know, is is Jarrell Miller a big name? Come on. Jarrell Miller and, and Anthony Joshua is as bad as Eric Molina and Deontay Wilder. That's how bad it is. J- Jarrell Miller is a bum. This is a bum we're talking about. This is a guy that has beaten no one that all of a sudden is catapulted into the top echelon of the heavyweight division. And he's next in line should he get by Johan Duopause to fight AJ? I, I don't get it, Sal. No, I, I know. It's hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we wake up one day in the near future and this all is uh, is just a facade and, and, and some stuff they're putting into the mix just to create some uh, uh, additional uh, interest or, 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 or news. And, uh, you know, with Anthony Joshua's fight coming up, and uh, Deontay Wilder going to be ringside, that's a very good indicator that, uh, yes, maybe there'll be some uh, WMA, whatever it's called, uh, antics, <laughs> WWE uh, antics. But the bottom line is that uh, if he's going to be there ringside, you can imagine and you could be assured that he's there for a purpose, and that's to promote their next fight if Anthony Joshua should get past Parker. And that's, I'm, I'm sure of that. That's a telltale sign right there. Listen, people are trying to say, oh, Deontay Wilder doesn't have the fan base. He doesn't. He it's, doesn't have the fan base equal to Anthony Joshua. He doesn't. Whether, whether uh, Deontay wants to admit it, whether his followers want to admit it, whether his team wants to admit it, he doesn't. He's not as big of a draw as AJ. It's clear. Deontay Wilder made his first $2 million payday in his last fight. Uh, uh, AJ makes, you know, $20 $20 million payday. Um, But the truth of the matter is, how big of a draw is Joseph Parker? How many people? Exactly. How many people even know who Joseph Parker is? And he's fighting uh, AJ. And the selling point there is, oh, he's got a belt. AJ wants all the belts. Guess what? Deontay's got a belt. And not only does he have a belt, He's got the green one. He's got the WBC belt. Listen, That's right. uh, nobody right. is a bigger fan than Anthony Joshua than me. I, think I know he's, that. I, I, 100%. And, and, but, You've but, been in his corner from the get-go. But let's, let's be fair. What's right is right. And the bottom line, should Anthony Joshua get past Joseph Parker, the two what-if fights, Parker, AJ, and Wilder, Ortiz, would have already taken place. We do not need to be spoon-fed another joke matchup between AJ and the bum, Jarrell Miller, and then Dillian White, who's basically a better version of Derek Chisora. Uh, Okay, that's my feel. Listen, I like Dillian White, but he's 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 not showing me anything. I mean, I... We we just can't expect Deontay to fight this guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm very. I'm very. I feel very strongly about this, Sal. I know you do, and I, I hear you. I can appreciate. It. Let 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 Dillian White and uh, and Baby Miller fight each other, and then let uh, let the loser of, of next week's bout uh, fight Ortiz, and you got a round robin right there, like I said. And then let those two fight, and then they can fight the winner of that fight. 
You got you got three fights until one of those guys get a shot at the heavyweight championship championship. And by that time, it should be unified between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. I'm telling you, you got you got two years of heavyweight battles. Number one. Number two, if you want to even see uh, a real unique spin on this thing, why don't they have a contract in place? Not only for a rematch clause between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, but a third potential fight, a rubber match, if the second fight takes place and the other opponent who lost the original fight, or the first fight, won that fight. They'd have to have a three-fight contract. And that's, uh, that, that would be a unique clause, and that would be a, that would be a year and a half of heavyweight championship fights that we, that we could see while these other guys are trying to get in there too. Listen, I have the heavyweight rankings right in front of me. And I'm looking at it. First of all, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at the the only, believe it or not, the only sanctioning body that does not have Jarrell Miller ranked in its top 10 or even ranked in its top 15. Which one? WBC. You're right. It's it's the only one. Every other one. Check this out. WBC is the most, one of the most credible. The IBF has Jarrell Miller ranked at number three in the world behind Cuba Pulov and in front of number four, Dillian White. The WBC has Dillian White number one. Uh, the WBA has Jarrell Miller at number three, Dillian White all the way at number nine. The WBO has uh, Jarrell Miller number three, Dillian White number four. I, I just don't understand how... Jarrell Miller is even ranked in in as high as he is. This guy has I, what's I, I I can't even tell you one name on on his resume that that it's makes money. It's called money under the table. Right, listen, <laughs> the, he, this guy is similar to the path that I was critical uh, of Deontay Wilder. Hold that thought. I gotta take a break. I gotta throw up. I, it's yeah. I'll be uh, I, I'll be back in two. We'll be right back. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, Sal and I are discussing uh, the possibility of. <laughs> AJ, uh, Anthony Joshua, should he get by Joseph Parker, uh, coming to fight in the States uh, over the summer and not fight Deontay Wilder. As a matter of fact, offer a fight uh, to Deontay Wilder to fight on the undercard, uh, which, I mean, in a way, Sal, Dillian White is the number one ranked contender of the WBC. They could spin it that it's a mandatory for Deontay Wilder, I could see that coming out of the woodwork uh, to uh, uh, to almost force Deontay. But at this point, 
Uh, no, I think some of AJ's credibility has to go out the window. And I don't want to hear from fans, oh, he's the A-side. Oh, he makes more money. Oh, he's this, he's that. So what? What does that have to do with it? I don't care. You know, that, that was the one thing that always irritated the hell out of me about Floyd Mayweather. When people that would tell me that he was a good fighter and I say, well, why? Why, why do you think? Give me a reason. You know, and you expect them to say all the things that Floyd did great. Oh, he was a defensive fighter. He's this, he's that. No, you know what they say? He's undefeated and he makes a lot of money. Well, what does it have to do with that That he's the best fighter? I mean, you know, yeah, okay, he made the most money. He's undefeated, yeah. But what, what makes him great? You know, that, that how can that make a fighter great? Same thing with AJ, man. Well, I, I think you're right. And like I said, uh, I'd, I'd hate to see this fight not take place this year. And I think it's destined to do so. But, uh, you know, we need both willing dance partners. And uh, if uh, Anthony Joshua is the one that uh, has an excuse or has a reason or, or there are some things that come up in, uh, with the whole uh, minutia of this whole thing coming to be, then, uh, you know, it's, it's going to hurt the fans because that's the fight we want to see. And that's the fight that we feel is the most competitive in the heavyweight division at this time. Yeah, well, it's just, it's aggravating. I, th I think what's more aggravating to me, Sal, to be honest with you, is to see fans support it. And, you know, this is why, you know the old saying, give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Well, you know, boxing's a greedy sport. You pay for a ticket to, to see Anthony Joshua fight Jarrell Miller, and uh, you know, don't 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 be surprised if you don't see uh, Wilder. I, I said you weren't going to see Wilder uh, AJ till 2019, and and uh, you know if they try to if they try to pull this over uh, on the fans, uh, that's gonna you can almost take it to the bank that you won't see them in 2018. No, I agree, and I think. You know, having and I can see how they're going to spin this thing. They want to give Anthony Joshua exposure in the United States. They want him to have a fight here first. And you know, I I, I think it would be great a great statement. Let Anthony Joshua put his money where his mouth is and come over here and fight Deontay Wilder for his first fight in the United States. He'll either be victorious and gain a lot of uh, fans here and everything else and. And he can go back to the Barclay, and they'll have a rematch possibly if it's a good fight. Or, you know, he'll be dethroned, and, and uh, he'll scattlewag back to uh, the U.K. with his tail between his legs. And then again, then the next fight takes place in the U.K., and Anthony Joshua's going to have to regain the title or try to regain the title from Deontay Wilder in the U.K. So I, I, think, it, I think there's a great setup right there. All right, so listen, I, I, you know, I mean, we have this super chat in, in place, right? So, you know, people want to get on the show, whatever, they can, uh, uh, they can you know, do a super chat. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go beyond that. And I was just asked the question, uh, if AJ was my fighter, Sal, I was just asked this yes. question. If AJ okay. was my fighter, would I, this is me now, would I put him in back-to-back -back unification title fights? My answer to that is yes, and I'll tell you why. There's a rule in boxing that I've always applied and have been successful doing it, and so have many, many other people involved in the business. There's two things you never walk away from. One, a huge money fight. You know, if you're offered a huge money fight, even if, if the fight uh, isn't suitable for you or whatever, it's hard to walk away from, especially, you know, life-altering money. And you never walk away from a title shot. Now, in this particular case, Anthony Joshua already has 
uh, a couple of the belts. And assuming that he beats Joseph Parker, he's going to have all of them but one. So the reason I would put him in back-to-back fights is because now you have an opportunity to not only get a humongous payday, and oh, by the way, uh, this would be a double payday because it's a two-fight deal, okay? So you're, you're talking about outrageous money, silly money, okay? Uh, and you have the opportunity to unify the heavyweight division, which hasn't been done in quite some time, where you're holding all the belts. Uh, no, I would never pass up this opportunity, ever. This this makes no sense not to do it, Sal. Your thoughts? No, well, it doesn't. I mean, that's that's what you and I have been uh, saying. This is the fight that the fans and we want to see. And if I was Anthony Joshua's manager or promoter, yeah, you could dance around it. You're not supposed to, but you could dance around this. You could say there's other mandatories. You could say there's other rhetoric. You could say there's other things, and you could pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes and 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 readdress it and uh, represent it as a reason why you got to uh, de- delay it. But the truth of the matter is that this is solely uh, a, f- a fight that everybody wants to see who who is a boxing fan and those that are not. I mean, this is going to be a fight that's going to be spoken about and promoted and talked about on uh, by the water coolers. I mean, this this is a big fight. This could be a great fight. Now, now they're, and, saying to me, they're saying to me in the other chat room, oh, it's easy for you to say, Billy C., uh, because you're not in the position. If you were, you'd be just as greedy as the rest. How, how, it's not about greed. Sal, I, I mean, it, it's a no-brainer to fight Deontay Wilder at this point. Let, let's, let's follow the bouncing boxing glove. Let's say... That you lose. What's That's the right. worst thing that can happen, right? You lose the fight, right? But right. if you're smart, if I'm Anthony Joshua's manager, I'm making damn sure that I have a rematch clause in the contract. So That's right nice. off the bat, an ironclad rematch clause, regardless of, of, uh, of who wins. So at the minimum, if you lose the first one, you're getting another shot in the second one. And, oh, by the way, the name of the game, talk about being greedy. The name of the game is to make as much money as you can in the least amount of time, right? That's like anything. You could be a construction worker. You want to be a fighter. So why would Deontay Wilder or, or AJ or anybody else want to fight 10 fights at a million dollars each when they could fight one fight and make $10 million? I, I don't get it. That This is well, coming from people that don't understand this business. I've been involved in this business for 35 years. I've been a promoter. I still promote. I manage. I do all this stuff. I know what goes on. You don't know. You never turn down a big life-altering money fight or a title fight, Sal. Those are two rules in this sport. You're absolutely right, because guess what, fans? Guess what, boys and girls? There is no guarantee for tomorrow. I mean, I've seen fighters' careers end over a stupid little incident or an accident or or a broken hand or that doesn't heal or a training injury. You have no guarantees. So the guarantee you can assure is to get the big money and to get the belts. And if they go hand in hand, guess what? That's the optimum choice to make, boys and girls. So, like I said, Bill, you could spin this a hundred different ways. Anthony Joshua's camp should be touting right now, saying, well, we, we are looking so forward to having Deontay Wilder ringside. We'll have the contracts ready right after we get past Joseph Parker, and we're going to make sure that this fight takes place and we give the fans what they want in this year. That's that, that, Hey, that'll be a layup, wouldn't it? 
I, I can't believe, you know, what? damned if I do, damned if I do. I can't, they, people are actually saying in multiple chat rooms that I'm only doing this to appease you today, Sal, because you are a Deontay Wilder fan. That That is, <laughs> it, it, that is not true. Sal and I no, argue about this all of, of the time. Okay, I am an Anthony Joshua fan, but I, I'm a boxing fan first. And, and you know what? Everybody's got me wrong about Deontay. It's not that I don't like him. What I don't like about him is pounding his chest saying he's the best. That's what I love about Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua takes care of business. He's a blue-collar worker, but le- a blue-collar fighter. But listen, make no mistake. You don't pass up those kinds of opportunities. I, you can spin it anyway. Oh, uh, uh, AJ fights more than, than Deontay. Uh, Deontay's not as big of a draw. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None of that is relevant. None of it matters. What matters is both fighters can make a hell of a lot of money by fighting two-fight deal, by have, making a two-fight deal with each other. I, I could go through this whole heavyweight picture right now, and I don't care what these sanctioning bodies, Dillian White ranked number one, please. Even uh, Jarrell Miller and all the rankings, come on. I mean, listen, it's all a joke. It's a scam. You guys fall for it. You know, hey, hey, listen, I got a whole a whole stock inventory full of bridges that I'm dying to sell really cheap. So all you idiots out there that are buying into this, give me a call because I got some cheap bridges for sale, Sal. I got that one that leads over to St. Simon's. I, that just got added hey, to our easy, inventory. Easy. I, you know? I'm trying to sell those myself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to move on before my uh, cardiologist. You're, 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 I want you to you check your blood pressure, Bill. That You know what? That's a new thing you could start doing. Have a blood pressure monitor side by side. And, you know, when we start getting in a heated debate here, you should take your blood pressure and let us know what the readings are. The funny thing is, is it's not even I, – I, I just don't understand. I think what's aggravating me is that there's numbers and, and a good number of people out there that are justifying it. Now, now I, I mean, of course Deontay Wilder fans are going to be, oh, he's got to fight Wilder now. And, and I do know, you know, and I've said this and I've been on record as saying it, that Deontay Wilder turned down a fantastic offer. It was something like $7 million, uh, plus the U.S. television rights to fight uh, Deontay Wilder. This was prior to the Luis or, or, or Anthony fight. Joshua. Uh, Deontay, no, Deontay Wilder was offered turned $7 million, right, right. De, Deontay Wilder was offered $7 million plus the U.S. television rights to fight Anthony Joshua in England. Yeah. And they turned it down, okay? Um, yes, stupid decision. But now it's a little different. We Now we have Deontay Wilder coming off of, of a huge win, an exciting fight, okay, which is important. Uh, wasn't just some snooze fest. Wasn't him going through the motions. Wasn't him just, you know, overpowering somebody in, in, in a minute. Uh, it was a, a, a back-and-forth fight that saw Deontay in some serious trouble. He, he proved a lot. Now... The ante has to be increased. The demand is there. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to wait. I'm sorry. Uh, you and, and I know Anthony Joshua could fight me or you and make twenty million dollars. I get it, you know. But if you don't want to lose fans and you don't want people to start, you know, thinking negatively, uh, you you need to fight Deontay. Uh, shut him up once and for all. Shut Deontay up, and then you know uh, we can move on from there. That's the way I look at it, Sal. So. Well, I think you say it perfectly clear. I mean, I understand the picture. I understand what you're saying, and 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 like I said, I think uh, it, it's if the fans have the outcry it's, for this fight to happen, 
uh, I think both promoters and and uh, or, or or both camps should should heed and listen. And I think uh, you know uh, it's a game of chicken. We'll see who uh, who opts out first and uh, or calls each other out on their their uh, desire to fight. We'll see. Well, I, I don't know. But uh, speaking of heavyweights, there was a uh, uh, two young fighters. I said at the beginning of the show in Europe, uh, in Germany specifically are all stepping up and fighting each other. Something you won't see Jarrell Baby Miller do. He's not fighting any good fighters. But uh, uh, Ajit uh, Cabello is 17-0 and 0, uh, with 12 knockouts. Uh, he's the current European heavyweight champ. He's taken on uh, uh, Miljan uh, Rovova Cannon, who's 18-1. and 1, uh, And this is taking place on April 21st. And also the co-main event is uh, Tom Schwartz, who's a, a top-ranked fighter, 20-0 and 0, with 13 knockouts. Uh, taking on uh, uh, Sinead uh, Gashi, who's undefeated at 16-0. So you got a 17-0 taking on an 18-1 and a 20-0 taking on a 16-0. I love it. It's taking place in Germany on uh, April 21st. Uh, Some other fights that were announced, uh, Saddam Ali, uh, who just uh, had picked up the WBO junior middleweight title, uh, 26-1, 14 knockouts, is making his first title defense against former world champion, and number one ranked contender, uh, Liam Smith. Uh, it's taken place at one of my favorite places to go to, uh, the Turning Stone Resort and Casino uh, in May, May 12th. It sounds like that's going to be on the uh, uh, Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, will be on HBO. Saddam Ali said, it felt great to accomplish my dream of becoming a world champion. I'm excited to defend my title and to demonstrate that it's not up for grabs. Liam Smith is a great fighter, and I'm sure... Uh, he will be ready for this fight, but so will I. Uh, Smith says, I'm confident going into the fight. I know I'm a naturally bigger fighter, and that will come into play, especially uh, in the f- type of the fight that I think it's going to be. So um, in any event, Arthur Abraham, one of my favorite middleweights, and uh, he moved to super middleweight, uh, has seen better days. It used to drive me insane watching him with that turtle defense. Uh, but for all intent and purposes, in his last fight, he had lost to, uh, uh, to uh, what's his name, Junior, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. And I figured it was time for him to ride off into the sunset, Sal. Uh, but nay, nay, it was announced uh, yesterday that he is not ready to retire and that he's coming back again April 28th. He's taking on Patrick Nelson, who's a 29-2 and fighter out of Denmark uh, for... Uh, uh, to prove that he's still got some fight left in him. Uh, Arthur, Amham, Arthur Abraham, Abraham, I'm sorry, two, former two-division world champion, 46-6. Uh, and six. Uh, I think he's pushing the envelope here, my man. Oh, I think you're right, pal. And uh, we'll see what happens there. I think uh, I think you hit it right in the head, though. That's, uh, that's a tough one to look at. Um, we also uh, had uh, the WBA. I got some emails I want to read, but the WBA uh, has ordered... Um, uh, at least negotiations for their uh, mandatory title fight. Uh, the current champion, Kyriel Relika, uh, is uh, supposed to take on number three rated Edward Troyansky uh, and uh, Daniel Roman uh, taking on the interim champion, Moses Flores. Uh, both of these fighters uh, uh, have been ordered to uh, start negotiations. Uh, they gave uh, each of them 30 days to come to an agreement. Otherwise, both of those fights uh, we'll go to purse bid, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, okay, I, I just wanted to, to say, you guys heard me criticize 
Don King's main trainer, Stacy McKinley. And uh, when we were breaking down the Amir Aman fight, uh, I said the reason why I was picking Ramirez, and I happen to like Amir Aman, uh, was because of Stacy McKinley. He's got this curse. And sure enough, Sal and I were talking about some of his stupid instructions telling Amir Amant to save his right. Don't throw your right. Don't throw your right. And he's still telling him this after the sixth and seventh round. And the fight is dwindling away. I mean, you know, I mean, the the most, the the stupidest advice I've ever, I've ever heard. Um, Well, check this out. Uh, It was announced yesterday that uh, uh, challenger Isaac Ekbo uh, for the, uh, uh, he's going to be challenging Tyrone Zouge uh, for the uh, uh, super middleweight title, uh, he's thirty-two and three. He's from Nigeria, and uh, his gym partner uh, Raphael uh, Messiah uh, Mensa. I'm sorry, who's thirty-one and O, who's also uh, taken on uh, a, a champion in uh, Alberto uh, Machado in the uh, super featherweight division. Uh, both of these guys are now under the Don King banner. And will be training with Stacy McKinley for their first uh, upcoming world title fights. Uh, Ekbo will be fighting Sunday uh, in his rematch against uh, Tyrone Zouge. Uh Mark my words. Keep an eye on the results of this fight. Stacy McKinley, the curse. It's in. Both of these guys are going to lose, Sal. What do you think? I think well, I'll tell you what. I'm curious just to see if that formula does come to fruition. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see that, pal. I think that's a good goal. We'll, we'll, we'll see if <laughs> we'll it see if we'll see if McKinley is uh, is uh, that bad uh, of a curse. But uh, anyway, oh boy, I don't know. I tell you what, though, whether he is or not, I wouldn't want him in my corner. I got a couple of uh, emails. Let's start uh, with uh, my man Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, excellent bout between Ramirez and Amir Aman. Ramirez showed heart and determination. He has flaws. He must correct, like. Uh, he doesn't move his head that much. He's slow with his lead shots, and he's not—he's not too accurate. He missed very badly on some shots on Amon, who uh, has great reflexes uh, and uh, speed and accuracy. Uh, yeah, well, listen to what you're saying. You're saying that he missed badly on Amir, who's got great reflexes and speed and accuracy. Um, you know, uh, that's why he missed. <laughs> you got to give Amir Aman credit. He says, but uh, he wasn't consistent with his punches. Uh, Don King even said that. He's talking about Amir. He wasn't consistent because he was listening to stupid Stacy McKinley in the corner. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, Jose's mandatory Regis Progress went to talk to Bob about the fight. But Bob said, let's build this fight up. I disagree. They should fight within the next five months. I do agree that with you that Roach works better with fighters who are aggressive maybe because he has more to work with with those fighters in the late rounds Roach told told Jose to throw jab to throw his jab and go straight right down the middle and Jose followed the instructions and had good results because Aman was tired uh, standing there and he had uh, his right eye shut he says I didn't watch the uh, uh, Gavadzik fight I hope uh, he gets Adonis uh, Bodo Jack winner which he is their uh, mandatory um, you know, like I've always said, this marination process is BS because, Sal, every time a big fight takes place, another one is there after. What do you think? Oh, you said it all the time, and, and, and you say it all the time. I'm sorry. And uh, that's exactly what happens. One fight takes place, it spawns off another fight. And uh, we see, you know, when we look for continually sharpening the point, and that's what the divisions are trying to do. When you're trying to sharpen the point of a division, 
you know, you could shave off here, you could shave off there, but it always will will create more opportunities for for these fighters to to get in a ring and fight each other. So hopefully the top fighters will eventually face each other for championships. Well, you know, it's just it's comical. Uh, what's even worse is that the fans seem to accept it. But uh, uh, anyway, and as far as Freddie Roach is concerned, you know, Freddie Roach is an offensive-minded fighter, he, uh, trainer. He he very rarely, yes, he can he can give good instruction like uh, Jesse's referring to here when it comes to you know uh, offensive uh, uh, spots that that a fighter can you know score on and and stuff that he sees but it is more to boxing than than offense i mean you you need uh, the greatest fighters having a balance between offense and defense and the best fighters can use defense to set up their offense and that's something that you know brawlers don't do you know they just use their offense as defense and their offense as offense, so their offense. There's a lot of offense going there. Um, they're being, they're being offensive. Yeah, I don't want to mean to be offensive. Um, and he says, uh, by the way, Sammy Valentin got knocked out by uh, Arizia, uh, and it was quick. Do you think he should retire uh, for his own safety because uh, the knockout came so fast? Is it uh, more damaging than taking shots for many rounds? I feel for his safety. Um you know, to get caught really quickly, uh, you know, you got to, I didn't see the fight, so, I, you know, you got to look at two things. Was, was he just overwhelmed? Was he caught? Was he cold? Uh, did, uh, you know, he, he went in there a little lazy, beginning of the fight, expecting to feel that round and got caught. Um, but there are plenty of studies shown. And, and by the way, if, if I'm with Sammy Valentin right now, I definitely go get him checked out. I mean, he did get uh, knocked out in his uh, in a previous fight that you know could the, the effects could still be lingering. But um, I, I yes, I would have him checked out. But um, you know, the truth of the matter is, the studies have shown Sal that a sustained beating uh, over ten rounds, twelve rounds of of you know taking uh, excessive shots to the head actually does more damage than a swift uh, knockout. What's your thoughts on that? Well, that's what they, the studies have said. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, but any any knockout, whether it's quick or, or over the course of a fight or rounds, you know, when you have that f sudden jolt and the, and the brain bounces off the, the skull uh, and causes you to lose consciousness and, you know, you're damaging your brain. Your brain has sustained uh, swelling or, or has sustained I'm not sure I'm not a brain surgeon so I don't know and I didn't stay in at, at the uh, Holiday Inn last night so I really don't know because it is sensitive but I will tell you this anytime that you're knocked out it's going to cause brain damage to a degree you're losing some cells you're losing some things and and the brain is uh, something that uh, doesn't regenerate itself as easily or, or at all and uh, so the more cells you lose which you can make a argument over a course of a 10 or 12 round fight, if you constantly get jarred and, and are taking blows, you're constantly getting knocks and losing cells. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that there are those fighters or those athletes that are pre, predisposed to uh, that kind of head trauma that may offer to 
to heed them in the future or, or give them trouble in the future than others. I mean, you want to look at a, class, a classic case. I mean, Jake LaMotta. Who took more beatings than Jake LaMotta? I mean, his best uh, defense was his chin. And the bottom line is he was just a gutsy, hard-hitting, conditioned, heartful fighter that came to win every fight. But if he got hit or he got stopped or he didn't go down, he, you know, look at look at Jake. He, he wasn't knocked out. He, he didn't have any time where he was really uh, unconscious to, or so. He sustained brutal beatings over the course of a round or over the course of a fight. Uh, but he lived to be age 95, had his faculties, was uh, was able to take care of himself, from what I understand. And, uh, you know, that, that shows a case in point or an argument right there. No, no doubt. But, you know, that's why I keep saying that if, if fighters had a head scan on file, you know, you can't just go by what the book says. Everybody no, is different. Everyone's you know? uniquely and, different. And, and that's and, why I'm saying certain people are more predisposed to drama and trauma and damage than others, I believe. And your, your case in point, Billy, you said it right there. Everybody should have on file a benchmark MRI, MRA of their brain. To see where it is that they could pull up anytime they're after a, a, a brutal fight or anytime they were knocked out and do a comparison, get an in depth uh, uh, look at what's going on in their brain. That's a, you, you said it right there. I That's know. a great it, scenario. It, you know, and I, yeah, well, but then again, because that might cost somebody money, Sal. They don't want to. They don't want to think oh, of the safety boy. of the fighters, you know. But uh, yeah, know. hold that thought. I got some more emails. Uh, don't go anywhere because uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. And, uh, yeah, my blood pressure's going today, Sal, because of, uh, uh, it bothers me that the, when the fans support things that aren't good for the sport, that kind of bothers me more than the than the topic at hand, which is, I just feel that uh, there's no more, there's no reason to wait. I mean, AJ against uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, providing Anthony Joshua gets past Joseph Parker next week, uh, is the next fight for both of those guys. Uh, I think it's a layup, but uh, anyway, I got a couple of more emails. This one's from my man Morgan. Uh, see, he says, "Hey Billy C and Sal, lately you and Larry Hazard have been discussing judging. I totally agree." Uh, that things have to change. Not using the point available is dumb. If fighter A is dominating fighter B but gets dropped with a flash lockdown, then the round should be scored 10-9, not 10-8. And, and Larry and I talk about this all the time, Sal. That, that's a three-point swing. It actually happened uh, a couple of weeks ago in a fight, 
And Steve Farhood even scored at 10-8, you know, where the one fighter is beating the other guy, and then he gets dropped at, towards the end of the round, and then most judges score at 10-8 for the guy who who dropped them, even though he could have been losing up to that point. So he says uh, it's a three-point swing, really. He says, it's a uh, good point. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a three-point. No. <laughs> he says, <laughs> it's a good point. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a three-point. It's a three-point. Uh, on the other hand, if a fighter A is winning but not dominating, it gets dropped and gets dropped, it should be 10-8, of course. He says uh, a knockdown is a big moment in a match, and the fighter should be rewarded, but not every time. Another way of improving judging is to be more lenient with extra points. For example, fighter A dominates the round without a knockdown, but it's only scored 10-9. This, uh, this is a clear 10-8. One more scenario is if a boxer knocks a guy down and dominates the round, it could be a 10-7. Uh, I'm also in favor of more even rounds. I'd rather see a fight decided on two or three points uh, on a two or three point round than being decided on a round that could have went either way. See, that's the main issue. Great email, Morgan, yes. and 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 that's uh, Larry's point all the time. You know, if a fighter is dominating, uh, like like let's take that round that Luis Ortiz uh, fought uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, many people felt that it was a 10-8 round, which it should have been. I mean, he battered Wilder from ring post to ring post. Now, if if he had knocked down Wilder, Wilder stayed on his feet, but if Ortiz had knocked down Wilder, in that case, you could have justified scoring that round 10-7. I'm just using that as an example because it's fresh in our minds. Uh, so, you know, that's a good point. And then the other thing is, is exactly what Morgan says here, Sal, is that, you know, if you have a fight, 10, 12-round fight, and there's a couple of rounds where one of the fighters dominated and you're scoring at 10-9, 10-9, 10-9, uh, and then uh, uh, the other guy loses because the one or two close fights went his way or the other guy wins because one of the two rounds were close and the judges gave it to him. But earlier in the fight, he was dominated uh, by the, uh, the, the, his opponent. Sometimes we don't get the scores right. And and I agree that the points have to be used, don't you think, or no? Well, I think the points have to be used. And, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I look at fights a little differently when I started looking at each round as three sub-rounds. And like I said, if I, if I you know, I, I really can't enjoy a fight totally if I sit down and score it. Because I want to see all the the nuances of, of what a fighter's thinking and doing and how it looks like, and I want my opinion and hu human error and come into play of judging who I think won a fight. But when you're judging a fight, you look at I, I I now look at a boxing round, which is three minutes, three sub rounds, and then the two out of three majority will win, or if they're a draw, it's a draw. And I have no problem with giving a, a round as an even round when I think both fighters have exhibited uh an equal ebb and flow of of, of uh, offense and defense and but if i look at the one round i look at what's taking place in that first minute who's looking like they're more aggressive who's being effective who's more defensive who's doing this the second minute another round a third minute there's three rounds in a sub round and whoever got the two out of three i give that round to it's 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 more of what i feel uh because of the fact that you see too many times where a fighter 
can be winning the round or losing the round, but in the last minute, turn it on and leave that opinion of what was last in the judges' minds and the fans' mind of, of being offensive and winning that round. All right, we got, we got some topics that are being thrown at me from all these different chat rooms. So although I, I was told that we're supposed to incorporate super chat, um, I, want to, uh, I want to address them. First and foremost, uh, scores, uh, scores that th there's a lot of movement in the sport right now where they want the scorecards to be public. In other words, so the fans can see it, the corners can see it, et cetera, et cetera. I am not for that, and I'll tell you why. Um, a fighter that looks up on the screen and sees that he's dominating might stop, might, might decide that, hey, I got this fight in the bag. You know, I'll never forget Oscar De La Hoya. Hey, you got this fight coast the last two rounds, and he loses the last two rounds, loses the fight. Um, I think that that could uh, produce um, a negative impact on the fighter that's winning. The fighter that's losing, if he's looking up at the scorecard, maybe he's more enticed to stop. Eh, I'm not going to win this fight, you know, uh, rather than trying to go for the knockout. You never know. It depends what the makeup is. So, no, I don't think that the scores should be made public. Uh, I do think we should tighten up our scoring system like Sal and I were just discussing. Now, as far as some other topics that were being thrown at me, as far as champions and who they fight, et cetera, et cetera, let's make no mistake, boys and girls. I, I happen to have the heavyweight rankings of the, of the uh, four major sanctioning bodies here, and it's a mismatch. It's a, it's a maj page of different names. The way sanctioning bodies work today is, and, and, and keep in mind, I'm not just saying this. I was involved with a sanctioning body. So I know very well how they rank fighters and um, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that they do do is that when a fighter becomes part of a sanctioning body, and that's kind of what happens, they get ranked, they get an opportunity for a trinket, you know, a lower-end title, and they kind of become uh, married to that sanctioning body. And then that sanctioning body helps them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what I developed... <laughs> years ago was a way that the four major sanctioning bodies could keep their champions, keep their money, keep their claws into the cash cow, and we could form a league based on those four sanctioning bodies and crown undisputed champions, all at the same time where the sanctioning bodies wouldn't lose their cash cows. And once again, because of the cost factor, um, you know, uh, that it would cost something, that there would be uh, extra sanctioning fees. It's, you know, people don't want to do it. It's the same thing uh, with uh, uh, unions. There's been a lot of discussion. Uh, boxers need a union. Well, that's a great idea, except for one small problem. Greed. You get a fighter that's part of a union, and he's being protected by the union, and then all of a sudden, uh, a, uh, a scab, and I say scab, meaning someone that's not in a union, um, you know, makes an offer to fight a non-union fighter and throws a boatload of cash at the guy, how quickly you think that union fighter is going to leave the union and go fight for the money. So, uh, you know, it, it becomes human instinct. Um, but the, the, one of the questions was, should only champions fight other champions for unification? <clears throat> and the answer is yes, because I, I believe that we get wrapped up with these so-called mandatory challengers 
that we never get to see the fights that we want. And other scenarios can happen. A fighter could get injured. A fighter could decide to retire. Uh, a fighter could lose, get upset. You know, all these things. The most important thing that I would think if, if you know, I were going to be a, a, if I was a young man and I was going to be a fighter today, I would want to prove that I'm the best. And just to get a belt doesn't signi signify that anymore. You know, you'd have to beat all of the people uh, in your weight class. That proves you're the best. Um, I, I don't know else how to say it. I mean, I, I think that, 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 you know, unification is critical uh, in the sport of boxing. It gives the fans the fights they want. And to marinate a fight with the suggestion that it's the only big fight, that's BS. There's always another big fight that will take its place. What's your thoughts on all of that, Sal? Well, you know how I feel, Bill. There's one. There should be one champion for for each division, weight division, and and that, it's never going to happen again like that. But if they had, if they had an opportunity to unify a title, and why fans would be so excited for that is because they want their champion, their champion, to be the undisputed champion. And uh, you know, I think I think it definitely should showcase, and and I think every sanctioning body should understand that their their fighter whoever they have declared as champion should look forward to a unification fight with one of the other belts and uh i, I mean it, it's it's something that that should take place on a regular basis what the unifications right yeah the unifications yeah yeah i wish you know it, and it was sad bill what's really sad there's enough sanctioning bodies that a unification could be almost like a round robin tournament and take place. It's almost like an ultra super. Hey, watch this. Hey, you know what? We're gonna create a sanctioning body. It's gonna be called the the champion sanctioning body. You're gonna have every cha uh, champion from uh, from the uh, sanctioning bodies listed in the top five, top four, and then that's uh, that's who they have to fight each other in round robin going there. You know, listen for the super ultra champion. How's that? The truth of the matter is. We can blame the sanctioning bodies, and the sanctioning bodies, uh, in my opinion, are, are pretty much near the top when it gets to the whose fault is it that we don't see the great fights. You could pretty much say the sanctioning bodies are at fault, especially when they pollute a potential fight with a mandatory, they slip a mandatory in. But the real people that are at fault are the promoters, and I'll tell you why. In case y'all forgot, which was, a, I think, a platinum record by Roy Jones Jr., in case y'all forgot, um, the promoters have to pay a, a fee, a sanctioning fee. So what has happened over the years, and the reason why you see so many belts, you be, you be me, I be you belt, you know, all these, all these belts, right? I did an interview with Sugar Ray Leonard, and he was saying the same thing. He's going, oh, with all these belts, you be me, I be you. I thought it was funny. But anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to break that one out. I, 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 I promise that I'm going to, one of these days when I got time, I'm going to take all these interviews that I have and put them together and, and uh, collage, offer them. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, the promoter who is in a position to, to, to put on a championship fight, and keep in mind now, just like we, the kids get their uh, participation trophies, Pro promoters today, because they don't really promote, and just like television networks, they feel they can't sell a fight unless there's a title on it. So number one, it gives it opens that door 
for a title. So the the casual fan doesn't know what title. All they know is that there's a title. Have you ever seen, when, when these fighters walk into the ring now, they got to have 9, 10, 12 people carrying all the belts that they have. And they're not even a world champion yet. And they got they got a dozen belts, it's you know. But uh, it's a joke. But But what happens is a promoter, let's say, wants to go to a major sanctioning body, just for argument's sake, let's say the WBC. And they say, hey, we, we got this fight. We got so-and-so against so-and-so, and, and, you know, the fight's approved uh, by the WBC for a regional title or, or uh, you know, uh, one, of, one, of their, one of their many titles, not a world title, right? And, uh, and they say, okay, this is how much the sanctioning fee is going to be. And the promoter says, whoa, I can't afford to pay that. So what the promoter does, he goes to one of these cheesy uh, sanctioning bodies. He ends up uh, getting a title put on the line for a fraction of the cost and the casual fan all they know is that it's for a such and such title they don't there's no value so really what these sanctioning bodies have done is actually devalue the belts and and by having all these other belts continental intercontinental uh, european blah 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 all these belts you know, it's interim, simple. Interim. It, it, it's simple supply and demand, Sal. Yeah. You know, know, when there I was know. one belt, you know, somebody was talking to me the other day about uh, Henry Armstrong. Henry great, Armstrong great, great. held three belts in three different weight classes simultaneously. Now, if, if you think That's, about that today, it won't happen. people might. Well, yeah. well, here's the thing: people might. Yeah, no, it won't happen. But people might not realize. The, how great of an achievement that really is. And the reason is because the weight classes are separated by a healthy trip to the bathroom, you know. And back then, there were only eight weight classes. So to to hold three simultaneously is quite a feat. That's why it will never be done again, ever. Uh, you know, never. and not only that, but most sanctioning bodies won't let you compete in multiple weight classes. So, you know, just to, you know, when you look at, a, the number of fighters there were during that time, and B, the uh, uh, the amount of weight classes there were at that time, and C, there were only 10 top 10 contenders. There wasn't 40 or no. 50 guys, you know. No. So, so, I mean, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, that's what it aggravates me because technically we have better athletes today. But we have a watered-down system, so we can never, you know, that's why, how do you really put them in perspective? you got a guy uh, that that uh, wins a, a belt, Manny Pacquiao wins wins uh, eight different uh, world titles in eight different weight classes. It sounds great, but how do you put it in perspective? Did he unify eight? No, he did not unify eight. He won world titles in eight different classes, but he, it's not like he beat everybody in every weight class and then moved up. He didn't. He picked up a belt, and he moved up. Similar to what uh, Mikey Garcia uh, is is thinking of doing. Uh, beats one guy, picks up a belt, gets the gets the tag, and then he moves up. It's not like he cleaned out every division. And I think that matters, don't you? Oh, of course it does. I believe it, it matters tremendously. You know, we should do an exercise one day, Bill. We should we should uh, form our own world sanctioning body and call it the WBS. And that would stand for World Bill and Sal Bill. But we could say BS has another connotation behind it. But the bottom line is, 
What then would it take for you and I to form a sanctioning body besides money? What 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 are the steps? You know you know the mechanics of the ins and outs more than I do. It's a lot of applications, a lot of paperwork, a lot of things, but it, it takes mostly a lot of money. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Listen, I've always said I've always this is the joke, and and I hate to make fun of it because it's my sport. But but all it takes to get involved my in the sport, sport of boxing, right? But but Sal, this is the sad truth. I know. All I it takes. Let's, let's form our own sanctioning body. What does it take? Tell well, me. Tell all it fans. takes is money. All right. All it takes is money and willing people to pay a sanctioning fee. But but uh, when you look at the sport of boxing, if you take any other sport, and, and I know somebody's gonna say, "Well, that's a team sport or whatever." You take football, or you take baseball, or you take basketball, whatever. Uh, you know, in order to get involved in that sport, all right, uh, you really got to start as a as a as a youngster. You know, you you need to play the sport. You know, you need to learn about the sport and you move on and and you might, you know, play through high school. Maybe even you're good enough to play college, maybe even get into the pros, whatever. Then maybe you get into coaching if you're on a, a football team and, and, you know, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, whatever. You get into coaching uh, or you buy a team or whatever the case is, but your background is in the sport. I've never seen anyone involved in any sport other than boxing, that doesn't have a background in that sport. Boxing is the only sport that Joe Schmo, who never put on a boxing glove in his life, never even watched a boxing event, could not only become involved in the sport as a promoter or a manager or anything like that just by having actual money in a checking account and writing a check, but the saddest part is that... Uh, like. Forget my background in this sport. I, I, yes, manager, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing I've never done is I've never trained a fighter. I'm not a trainer. I've never said I was. I never acted like one. I, I've been involved with my trainers, and I, and, I, and I watch what they do with my fighters, and I can question. I can ask the trainer. I can see what's being done. I can pick up things with fighters, yes, no, whatever. But I've never trained, and I would never try to train a fighter. But here's the sad truth. And I've said this before. You know what it takes for me to be a trainer? About 25 bucks because I could go to a, to a sanctioning body at a weigh-in and buy a trainer's license, a seconds license, a chief seconds license, and be issued a license. And I could be the guy that's the main trainer in that corner for a world title fight for any fight that night without ever training anyone. And that is sad, Sal. Well, it is sad, and, and it's, a, it's a shame. Hey, how many people make up uh, in a world-sanctioning body uh, a group of employees, or is it just a couple people with that kind of pep? I, I'm going somewhere with this. Do we have an idea of how many people can be in charge or comprise of a, of a world-sanctioning body? Well, I know one specific sanctioning body that there's one guy, and uh, you know, he, he does it all. Uh, you know, but uh, it depends how big the sanctioning body is. Uh, you know, gonna... realistically, realistically, uh, a sanctioning body, you have to not only have a belt and a fee, but you got to have an inspector, you know, a, a guy that's there, um, you know, making sure at the fight. Uh, you know, you got to have a, a belt manufacturer to get the belt. I mean, uh, it's not difficult. It's not difficult. And that's the sad part of it, Sal. It's a joke. It's a joke. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, you know, you, you said something before about boxers being included or being involved with the sport of boxing. 
why don't these sanctioning bodies that, that take all these fees uh, provide jobs for these fighters that are retiring or so, or try to try to give them a venue to be uh, uh, productive in their sanctioning body or something else? That's why I was asking the amount of employees of what it takes. Um, I don't know, and it doesn't sound like it would be feasible or doable for the multitude of reasons that you just mentioned. Well, the last, thing, the main reason is we don't need another belt, Sal. But what no, we no, do, no, but what we do, but what we do need. Hey, as a matter of fact, I, I had I, eh, that's another story. But no, that's another but, story but, for another day. But, but you what, and I should form a sanctioning body. No, Come what on, we should, what we should do is investors. No, what we should do is form what we said and forget investors because investors. The only way people fork over money these days is if they're guaranteed, and there's no such thing as guaranteed. And speaking about forking over money, you want our show at your place if you're in charge of a or own a, a casino or hotel or sports like bar or, or a gym uh, or a cruise ship. I like those. Uh, and I like you want our show, drop me an email. We have a whole package uh, that we're uh, offering to get us to. We want to do a tour, and we need places to go, so uh, hook us up. But anyway, a couple more emails real quick. Uh, this one's from my man, Coach. He says, hey, Billy C., it seems the WBA may have seen the light mandating fights like Super Bantamweight Daniel Roman uh, taking on Moses Flores uh, and lightweights Kyriel Relic uh, going up against Edward uh, Troyansky. Uh, gotta love it when the sanctioning bodies make fighters actually fight. What's your thought? Is this a fluke? Uh, or have they truly seen the light? Listen, the WBA has been claiming that they want to clean up and get rid of the interim belts. I think they're on their fourth year already, and they still have interim uh, belts. I would love the fact that they have real fighters fighting real fights. The question is, is how real is a fighter with a 27-1 record or a 25-0 record or a 22-2 and 24-2-1, just like all these fighters and names? How good are they? Who are the people that they fought? You know, when you look at these sanctioning bodies and their ranking system, which, you know, I happen to have the heavyweight uh, list right here, um, it's sickening. I've, I've really learned to go, when I want to see how good a fighter is, I look at the computer rankings. And to be honest with you, I know BoxRec has a pretty decent uh, computer ranking system, but the best computer ranking system out there happens to be the IBO computer ranking system. And people look at me like I got three heads. First of all, I, the IBO, the sanctioning body, I have them at number, you know, at number five. As a matter of fact, I think they're more reputable uh, right now than the than the WBA. But that's besides the point. But the IBO's computer ranking system, the reason why I believe it's the best, is they don't necessarily have their guy as the best. In other words, if there's a guy, if Sal is their IBO champion. And he doesn't, the, the program doesn't spit him out as the number one guy. They'll list him wherever he is. If he's actually, by the computer, the number five guy, on their own ranking system, they will have Sal number five, even though he's their IBO champion. No other sanctioning body does that. Every other sanctioning body has their guy as the champ, and their guys that are ranked underneath uh, are generally, especially the high-ranked guys, if they're scheduled to fight another sanctioning body fight, they mysteriously get removed from the rating. So, for an example, with uh, Dillian White at the WBC in the heavyweight division ranked number one, I would bet you every nickel I had 
that if all of a sudden the WBA, who uh, has him ranked number nine, or better yet, uh, the WBO at number four or the IBF at number four, give him a world title shot uh, against somebody other than the WBC, he would immediately get removed from their rankings. And that I have a problem with. You have a guy ranked at number one. Next thing you know, he's fighting another sanctioning body and he disappears from your rankings. How can you justify that, Sal? No, you can't. That's just, that's, you know, it's like childish little games and it's it's politics as usual. And uh, unfortunately, politics really should not be brought in. It, it should be it should be something that, that is done through the merits and the earnings of a fighter of how they stack up against the other opposition on a top tier level. We got one last email. This one uh <laughs> this is from my man Johnston. Well, look at the subject. Johnston, jo- uh, look, doing? yeah, but uh, I, I, I'm about to get a relapse. Look, the subject in here is Joshua Miller and Wilder versus White, all on the same card in August. He says, "Good morning, guys. The latest interview from Eddie Hearn, and th- this is what I was reading. Uh, I, I, I read the interview uh, um, uh, this morning." Uh, so he's he's sending me an email now. He says, uh, the latest interview from Eddie Hearn makes for interesting reading. If Dillian White and Anthony Joshua are both successful in their fights against Lucas Brown and Joseph Parker, respectively, then we could see a big summertime card in the States. Uh, the two Londoners traveling to the other su- side of the pond would take on Deontay Wilder and Jarrell Miller. Uh, the Q- UK's number one and number two versus America's number one and number two. Wilder versus White and Joshua versus Miller. See, I have no problem with Jarrell Miller Filton fighting Dillian White. <laughs> I think that no. that that's an even matchup, you know. But uh, he says Wilder White, uh, Joshua Miller on the same card in August with the winners fighting each other at the end of the year. With White currently the number one contender for the WBC. And if he gets past Brown, then Wilder will almost have his uh, hand forced. Uh, And if that's true, at the moment, uh, Hearn said A.J. White, too. In other words, if if White wins, uh, if White wins uh, that fight, he says, uh, I know that Joshua will fight Dillian White again. I think if you asked him and and he said, tell me one fight uh, that you want, he would say Dillian White because he loved the fight and he felt as though he wasn't at his best. Uh, he lost a rag a little bit, meaning his stagger. Uh, he says, but he's improved so much, and he loves having a tear-up, and he knows Dylan will uh, give him a tear-up. Uh, he loves to build up. He wants people to go at him at, at the pressers. Uh, AJ uh, does, he says, uh, but they seem to lose their bark a little bit when they're in front of him. Uh, Hearn on White Brown says it's a really big fight for the division and the winner of Wilder and AJ are looking at this fight and saying the winner is a million percent on my radar. Uh, all the AJ talks about is fighting Dillian White again because he seems to really want to do that. Of course, Lucas Brown is a former world champion and, and he's undefeated. So if he beats Dillian, all of a sudden he's a major player. Uh, this for me is the most important part and the best fight outside of the championship fights. The winner is going to be number one in the WBC because Dillian is already number one in the WBC. He's going to be on the top five in every other governing body you got there. Hernan Weiler uh, White. Uh, I would like him to fight Wilder. I think that if we, meaning he and Joshua, didn't fight Wilder next and we had our August fight, then we could do Dillian White against Wilder. Everybody wants to see AJ versus Wilder. It's difficult, but I would like to see Dillian get a shot at the world title before he fights AJ. Uh, What do you guys think? A a stacked uh, heavyweight card in New York City or Vegas? 
Um, first of all, the fight, uh, they are bringing a fight to New York, the Barclays Center. No disrespect to Dillian White, but uh, but that, that's not a fight I want to see. I, I don't want to see Deontay Wilder, and I've said it all. We, we already talked about it for an hour today. I, I don't want to see Deontay Wilder fight anybody else but Anthony Joshua. And quite honestly, I don't want to see Anthony Joshua fight anyone else next, uh, assuming he gets by Joseph Parker other than than Deontay Wilder. That's the fight in the heavyweight division. Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua. There's no more waiting. There's no more preliminary fights. There's no more BS. Let's be real. Dillian White against, uh, um, you know, Jarrell Baby Miller, if you want to mix him in. Uh, Lucas Brown, uh, obviously, is fighting him. Uh, you, you got all these other young fighters that can fight each other to move up. Uh, you know, nobody's mentioning... Um, you know, Cuba uh, Pulov, he's another good fighter. Dominic Brazil, another good fighter. Luis Ortiz, if he's going to continue, let's not forget him. What about Alexander Povetkin? You know, these, these are all legitimate uh, contenders that should be fighting each other to position themselves for a title. You see, what happens today is you get a bum like Jarrell Miller who's fought nobody in the top 10 or 15 of any of these sanctioning bodies, and yet he's at number three and number four. And, and I, you know, I just don't understand. Well, I do understand because they get paid off. But I don't understand how a, a, a fighter can move so quickly up in the ranks in, in a sanctioning body when they've never fought a guy above them on the ladder, Sal. That's the way a contender system should work. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to really present it any other way. I mean, that's the reality. That's the realistic picture that I see and I share with you. And uh, it's it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, they buffalo the fans and, and, and people that that uh, that uh, believe something other than it, it, the difference of what you do to show that the cream is rising to the top and the two best fighters will ultimately be vying for a world title. And here's what else you get. If, if, if they did, that's, first of all, boys and girls, if you're not old enough to know, that's how it used to be. You, you yes, used to, you yes, know, yes, the, the, the system, the sequence would be you, be you walk into the gym as a kid and you start boxing, you become an amateur. You fight as an amateur, you become a pro. Then you work your way up to become a prospect. Then after a prospect, you become a contender. And then you climb the contender ladder until you become the number one ranked contender. And that's who the champion fights. The champions right. used to always fight the number one guy. Now, if you listen to the wording, the champion gets to fight the first available contender in our rankings. First available? You mean like if he's going to Disney World or something, he's not available? Or, wow. you know, if he broke his toenail, he's not available? Or wow. if he won't agree to the purse, he's not available? What kind of BS is that? Listen, the best way to get the best fighter, and, and, and here's what it eliminates. If you make fighters climb the ladder and beat the guy that's positioned above them, then when you have them fight, a champion, or even a number five guy fighting a four guy, or a number two guy fighting one guy. What you end up with is a good fighter. You get these Jarrell Millers who have been hand-fed cupcakes, and he certainly looks it because he's a, a cupcake away from 600 friggin' pounds, all right? I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that you develop a good fighter. Yes, there's risks that you lose. So what? There's nothing wrong with a loss. It shouldn't diminish the value. I know it does, but it shouldn't. 
And then when you get these title fights, you end up with a good fight. Instead of getting a guy, a Deontay Wilder, uh, for, for 39 of his 40 fights has fought slugs, bums, and he destroys them all. And then he finally fights a good fighter. And now you can give him accolades. But before that, did, did he really earn to be, uh, you know, what he said he was? You know, the Jarrell Miller, did he earn to be a, a top contender? Even Dillian White, did he earn it? Yeah, he fought Anthony Joshua. But come on. You know, who other? Show me these guys climbing the, rec, the, the ranks. Show me them fighting other contenders. They don't. When a fighter gets into a top 10 status, they avoid other top 10 contenders. They wait and wait and wait, and eventually their number's called, Sal. That's the way the system works. Well, you, you said it right there, and you spelled it out for everybody, and that's how the system works. It's, it's nerve-wracking because— Well, it is nerve-wracking. I know that. But I, it's not going to change either. Well, well, the pro, it's not going to change when fans accept it. Well, they it's buy not into it change. and they believe it because it's, it's, uh, it's what they are being told. And it's what they, they believe. It, that it, it's, you know, people go through the path of least obstruction. Yeah, but Sal— and you know what? Sal, we've had this discussion. If, yes, if, if when, when I put the analogy with another sport— Okay, if if you're going to be talking football or baseball and and your team plays the worst team every week or if it's baseball, every every series is against the same team over and over and over. And you're slapping the crap out of them every single week and you finish your season undefeated. Are you really the best? I, I mean, would you watch it anymore if your team was playing the same team every week, the same crappy team every week? And you could almost bet your last dollar on on the fact that you're going to win every week. Would you think it's the best team? Would you keep watching? You know, the answer is no. Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> no, of course you wouldn't. But the truth is, is that's what happens to boxing fans, and they accept it. I love when people start explaining to me how the system works. You know, <clears throat> oh, that's not how it works, Bill. The reason why it works like that is because you got to build momentum. You got to do this. You got to do. It. You don't have to tell me how the system works. I know how the system works. I'm just telling you how you can make this sport great again by, you know, forcing fighters to fight. It's a simple formula, Sal. No, I agree. And uh, it, it is. You just said it. Force the, force the top fighters to fight each other and, and whittle it down. Let the cream rise to the top the way it always has in the past. And, uh, you know, you get the best contenders, you do it. I mean, you said it. You said it evenly and easily. I mean, to get a title fight, you had to be ranked in the top ten of the world. And, and the number one ranked contender, you had to defend your title every six months against the number one ranked contender in that division. And then in between the title fight against the number one ranked contender, you could choose to fight anybody in the top ten to defend your title and get some money and get a good payday. However, if you chose to fight a, a person outside the top ten, you would fight a non-title fight. So, you know, there, there's so many ways that there were good rules and regulations in the past that were in effect. But as I said, through the years, you lower the benchmark and you change the rules, you change the games, you have a different way of doing things. And it's to appease the masses as far as maybe not the fans as much as but as far as the lucrative dollars that are in the game of boxing with all the sports uh, hands that may be being fed. Well, I, I just want to say this. You know, I do have the formula for a league that would work in, yeah, in professional I, I boxing. Um, but, I, you know, the, 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 the sad thing, 
you know, I'm looking at one of the chat rooms and somebody's trying to explain to me how, why a fighter's on the A side and they have the money, they have the fans, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. There would be no defined A side if fighters climbed the friggin' ladder of contendership. Yeah. There wouldn't be because they would be equal. The guy that climbs a ladder that starts out at number 10 and beats everybody in front of him until he's number one is a damn good fighter. And if that guy all of a sudden gets a shot at the title, this isn't going to be an unknown coming in from left field like we see today. You know, you get a guy all of a sudden, oh, our champion's fighting so-and-so, and you're like, who's this guy, you know? And and you have to look him up. He, he's 28-0, he's and you never heard of him. You never heard of any of his fights that he ever had. He fought in some country you never heard of. You know, I mean, uh, come on. You know, if, if a fighter is climbing a ladder... You know who he is. And it eliminates the BS of an A-side versus B-side anyway. You know, it's gotten so intricate with the greed factor, Sal, is I'm surprised this sport's even still working, to be honest with you. Well, it's going to work, and it's going to always have, like I said, it's spin. But, you know, the good old days, when you were ranked in the top 10, the only way you could move up is if you fought one of those top 10 contenders that were above you. And you would choose. You would say, "Hey, uh, I'm number ten. I just earned uh, earned the top ten ranking. I want to fight the number uh, one ranked contender. I want to fight the number five, fifth ranked contender." And then you would move up. It doesn't mean you'll take his base, but you you will move up the ranks. And that's the way it used to be. Just remember right? the word. Just remember, boys and girls, the wording I used uh, earlier is the wording that the sanctioning bodies use. They they're mandatory is against the next available fighter. Available. Available. Wow. You know, uh, which is BS. You know, a mandatory should be number one. The guy that's number one. Listen, even in the heavyweight uh, rankings right now, you look at the IBF, you got Cuba Pulov ranked number two. You know why he's not number one? Because there's nobody in the number one spot. It says not rated. Meaning they don't have a guy in the number one spot. So so how can that be? You, don't you move everybody up one? If you don't have a guy in the number one spot, doesn't number two automatically move into number one? Please, that you know what that means, boys and girls? How much money can you put in my envelope and slide under this door that make me put your fighter in the number one spot? Come on. Come on. Listen, that's all it takes. The bottom line is if a fighter had to climb the ranks of, of a contendership, he would be a damn good fighter, even, even in the watered-down sanctioning bodies that we have today. If you pick a sanctioning body you want to uh, align yourself with and you climb up their ladder of contenders, you're going to be a damn good fighter and worthy of the champion. And that's why it should only be, number one, fighting the champion. And then you can justify uh, why fighters duck. But when you bring a guy in from left field, and 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 you know what, you want it, you want to see what I'm talking about. You want to know that I'm not BSing you. All you got to do is go after one of these. Uh, look at the rankings before one of those uh, uh, conferences that they have. The uh, what do they call them? Uh, uh, you know, when they all get together. Uh, you know, not a conference, but what do they call that? Um, uh, like a, a like uh, a convention when when tribunal? you see when you uh, look at the rankings before a sanctioning bodies convention every they all have oh, yeah, yearly yeah, conventions yeah, now then then that. look at the rankings the week after. after the convention and you'll see there'll be movement and why is there movement because there's deals made at those conventions by promoters to put their fighter in that spot please 
please. I, I, anyway, on this day in boxing history, March 20th, in 1992, one of the biggest middleweights, uh, in my opinion, Iran the Blade Barkley wins a 12-round decision over Tommy Hearns to win the WBA World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1993, Henry Mask wins a 12-round decision over Prince Charles Williams to win the IBF World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in Germany. On this day in 1992, Thierry Jacob wins a 12-round decision over Daniel Zaragoza to win the WBC World Junior Featherweight title, and that took place in France. Took place in France. On this day in 1925, Phil Rosenberg wins a 15-round decision over Cannonball Martin to win the World Bantamweight title, and that took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And finally, on this day, March 20th in 1970, Chart Chai Chinyoi wins a 15-round decision over Efren Torres to regain the WBC World Flyweight title, and that took place in Bangkok on this day in 1970. Whew. God, I, I need to go. I'll tell you what I'm not going to have is another cup of coffee, but I'll tell you what, you guys, tomorrow we got a busy day scheduled. Our blast from the past that Alex is going to present is on Don King. We also have uh, uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. Uh, we'll be talking to him about the replay system uh, in effect in New Jersey and how it works and why uh, no one ever, ever gives New Jersey credit for having it. They're always talking about we should do it, we should, we should, we should. Well, guess what? They do in New Jersey. Uh, we'll be giving you an update on all the latest boxing news. And if you want to get me riled up, send me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And I just want to put it out there right now. We will not. Let Sal start another sanctioning body. I promise Sal will not have his own belt to give out. It's not ideas. happening. It's not, it's not happening. It's not happening. Hey, listen, boys and girls, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.